This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. The first criteria for any of my recipes, is it delicious? And the second one is people are going to say, you mean this is good for me? Oh my gosh. You know, I was a school teacher and I think that part of my modus operandi is that I'm always teaching because, you know, nutrition I find is extremely exciting. I adore science. I love science-based evidence, but I also have this sort of weird sense of humor that I get from my dad. And so I think the combination of being able to make healthy, interesting and entertaining is the reason why why um, I've, I've been able to do what I do. That's Marilyn Smith. She's the author of the cookbook, Peace, Love and Fiber, and the only professional home economist who is also an alumnus of the Second City Comedy Troupe. So let me begin with congratulations. You recently released your cookbook, Peace, Love and Fiber. For the people that don't know your story, your journey, can you take a few minutes, walk us through who Marilyn Smith is and what led you to what you're doing today? So my story is really long and I don't know if this podcast will be able to go for five hours, but I will try, <laughs> I'll try to give you the shorter version. Um, so when I was nine, I decided I wanted to be an actor. And when I told my mom and dad that their parent ears filtered Booker. And so they were like, you cannot be an actor. Like, no, but you can't do that. You have to have a a degree in education. And so they really, you know, they really encouraged that. And when I was in grade eight, my grade eight home ec teacher and a parent teacher meeting told them that I would be a really good home economist. And so my parents came home and said, Hey, we found you something to go to university for. And it was like involved eating. And it's like, I'm in. So anyway, <laughs> I have a degree in uh, foods and nutrition from the university of British Columbia. And then uh, I did. I taught school for <clears throat> three years after because I couldn't find a job as a home economist, but I could find one as a school teacher uh, as because I was an actor. So I taught half acting and half home act. And after three years, I, I loved what I did, but I didn't want to die never knowing whether I could have done anything else. So I moved to Toronto and weirdly enough auditioned for the Second City Comedy Troupe and got in. I didn't even know who they were. So that's what happened. And I was in the company for two years. And when I finished that, I, I think what happened is that I had this kind of unique ability to see funny out of healthy. <laughs> because, you know, nutrition I find is extremely exciting. Um, I love science. I, I adore science. I love science-based evidence. But I also have this sort of weird sense of humor that I get from my dad. And so I think the combination of being able to make healthy, interesting, and entertaining is the reason why um, I've, I've been able to do what I do. So go back to when I was in university. I had this really great professor, and he talked about fiber back then. And it's always been on my radar. And I've been developing recipes that have, been, have fiber in them all, all the way through my career, but I had never written just one book on the topic because mm -hmm. I was waiting for the right time. And the right time came when in 2016, there were two studies that came out. <clears throat> one was from the Nurses Health Study that said uh, the women who had eaten fiber from a young age had the most protection against breast cancer. Really? What? Yeah. No, that is that was blew my mind. And so, I mean, I knew there was always health benefits from having fiber, but I was always looking at the gut or the GI. Exactly. But the fact that it was, exactly, but the fact that it was getting linked with cancer really went, okay, it's time for me to start working on this book. And then right around the same time, a very big study out of Australia came out and they said that the key predictor to successful aging 
In other words, how long you live a healthy life was how much fiber you ate. And it was like, oh my goodness, okay, I'm, I'm in. So that's when I started actually accumulating the recipes. It takes me two, three, four years to write a book because I do it seasonally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I put together Peace, Love, and Fiber, which has been my sign-off for my emails for about 10 years, maybe longer, I can't even remember. And then here's the best part. Here's the best part. In 2019, this year, uh, the World Health Organization said that we really need to have higher amounts of fiber because not only are we going to be reducing all cardiac uh, incidents and strokes by 15 to 30%, but we're also seeing a reduction in type 2 diabetes, colorectal cancer, and then they also started to link it with healthy aging. And so the whole thing with this is that it's not sexy. It's not some kind of trendy, crazy diet. It's an eating style. You just eat more fiber in your day. Basically, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, that's where you're going to get your most bang for your buck. So it's an easy thing to do, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's not like you have to go buy a special mm-hmm. equipment or you know, or invest in a bicycle that you're going to ride to work every day, which is not a bad idea. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that adding fiber to your day is a really easy fix. The name peace, love, and fiber. Each word means something to you. Well, you know, I think that we get wrapped up in that what we eat is going to be the biggest, you know, indicator of how long we'll live. And and I think it's more about mind, body, spirit. It's a whole bunch of things. So I mean, I get peace walking in the walking in nature. And so we try to go for a walk every single day. Either we're really close to uh, a big park here in Toronto. So we walk in the forest part uh, or we go down to the beach and watch a walk by the ocean. And so that to me is like a Zen thing. It's very peaceful. uh, And I try to make room for that every single day. And the love, I mean, I have so much, I'm I'm very lucky. I have a lot of love in my life. Um, And and that gives me great support. And without that, I wouldn't be who I am. Um, I did just lose my mom uh, about five months ago. And um, I'm feeling uh, very introspective as of late. I think if I wrote Peace, Love, and Fiber right now, based on how I'm feeling about my mom, it would be the same book, but more in depth about um, how much they meant to me and what I miss. But I did honor my parents. And that's part of the love and that... um, my mother was a teacup collector and I post teacups on my Instagram because I used made up a hashtag called use your good stuff because mm-hmm. my mom never did. She never used her teacups. She just looked at them. They, they were very special, right? But they were so special. She never even used them. Well, she did. She had some that she would use for like Christmas and you know, Easter and, you know, special occasions, right. birthdays. Um, so whenever I would go to visit her in Vancouver, I would drink out of a different teacup and she'd always go, Marilyn. I go, mom, I get the joy out of using them. So that's when I came up with use your good stuff. And so there's pictures of my mom's teacups in the book too. Um, I also wrote about my parents in the book. So there's a lot of love there. And I just think that, you know, being kind and I, I know it sounds hokey, but it's so true. Just getting back to the basics about being grateful for our lives and offering kindness every day um, and saying thank you for the things that we have in our life every day. Just keep your life more grounded and it's like a circle, right? And so you're building on your positive energy and you're looking at hope and you're choosing optimism and you're choosing laughter. And those things really make you a happier person. I mean, my dad every morning would choose to be happy and then he'd also think about what he was going to have for breakfast. And so <laughs> so peace, love, and fiber, right? And it usually had something to do with fiber cereal, funnily enough. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my dad was hilarious. Anyway, so uh, 
Yeah. Peace, love, and fiber. I wrote a section on 10 healthy habits to, you know, ensure that you had in your life, asking you to do one a month. Mm -hmm. Um, Takes, you know, takes about six weeks to get a new habit. I'm hoping you get one in four. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) and then I asked you to pick two of your own. But, you know, some of them were, you know, being more social, like like, the people who live longer have a really great social circle. Um, You know, being kind, doing volunteer work, um, making time for friends, like all those things are so important in your long-term health. And of course, food is an anchor. And what you eat is what is an anchor. But there's so much to do about your your life experiences and what you bring to the table, what you offer, um, you know. And yeah, so peace, love, and fiber. <laughs> what is it that you want people to take away from your book? I want them to know that uh, you can make a difference in your long-term health. You can make a difference in how you feel about life. And it starts with you, but you you can do it. I'm cheering for you. It's baby steps. This is not a crazy diet plan that you go off of. It's a it's a it's a food healthy eating journey. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in falling off the wagon. I say that you're just always on the wagon, you know, and I don't believe in in phrases that make things bad. I mean, all my foods, I'm an inclusive eater. There's no bad foods. There's Mm -hmm. some that you might want to not eat as often, but you know, there are, there's room on my plate for all foods, especially if they Mm -hmm. have fiber in them. (laughs) What I'm really concerned about is some of the diets that are so protein heavy is that if fiber is a key predictor in longevity on healthy aging, if fiber is a key predictor for reducing your chance of breast cancer, and it is, I'm not even saying if, it is the key predictor, it is, yeah. then, then when you're ignoring it, you may have short-term, you might reach short-term goals, but what's going to happen to you in two, five, 10 years from now? And so I want you to get on an eating style that supports longevity and a healthy aging, and fiber is the key. What's the daily amount that we should be consuming? Well, it depends if you're a man or a woman, so and how old you are. So, which is really good to know if you're a young mom, you know, you're not going to give your baby the same amount of fiber that you'd have. So, mm-hmm. it, it really depends on where you are in your life cycle. Um, for average, I'd say the range for women starts at around 25, and for men, and it actually goes for adults 25 to 38, but it's for women, it's about 25 grams a day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're pregnant or nursing, uh, you, you're going to bump it up to 28 and 29. Um, and for men, it's usually around 38 grams of fiber, which is sounds like a lot. And it isn't really in the sense that it's not easy to accomplish, but when you think that most people are not eating a fiber-rich diet and they're probably getting 14 grams, which is about half, uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> what was the inspiration behind this particular cookbook? Just my total fixation on that I knew that I was onto something when I started reading about the powers of fiber. I, I wrote a keynote speak, uh, a keynote talk speak, <laughs> a keynote uh, talk called uh, How to Live to Be 100 and Still Remember Your Name. Uh, I wrote it about 10 years ago before the Blue, Blue Zone books and all that came out because I was, I was really, really curious about what was the commonalities between the people who lived to be 100 and, and longer and had healthy lives, not just you know hanging in there, but actually being vibrant. And when I looked at the, the lifestyles, they all had huge commonalities, but it was the diet that even though the foods were different, so you know, perhaps they had some kind of fermented food like uh, miso in Japan, but in, in, in 
in Greece, where there's a lot of other centenarians, they had a fermented food, which was yogurt. And so I, there, there was a commonality in fermentation. But then there was commonalities in the fibers. And so they all eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. They all eat whole grains or and they all get a lot of pulses. Now, they're not all vegetarians. And I don't I was a vegetarian, but this book is not vegetarian. There are vegan, vegetarian, lactose-free, gluten-free recipes in the book, but by and large, it's pulses added to things, except in the salads. There's a ton of bean salads because I I love them. Um, But yeah, so when you look at the centenarians, I started going, well, the commonality is the fiber, I think. And so when all the research started coming out, it went, I'm a genius. No, it just basically <laughs> reinforced that I was on to something. Canada's New Food Guide is so supportive of my book in the sense that, you know, half the plate is fruits and vegetables and a quarter is whole grains. Well, mm-hmm. I've been saying that forever. <laughs> so it's like, half Canada, thank you for jumping on my bandwagon. God bless you. So uh, yeah, they finally yeah, caught so up. They finally caught up. And I think people haven't talked about fiber because it isn't it isn't a fun thing to talk about. I mean, let's talk about let's talk about how many BMs you had. You know, it's not something you have as a conversation, <laughs> but it's really important. So, you know, I talked about farting in the book, and I talked about colonoscopies. Didn't you coin a national fart day or something? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I. Oh, one day I was sitting at my computer, and it came out National Lollipop Day, and it's like, give me a break. <laughs> I'm going to make up National Farting Day. And so I did. And it's so fun. Yeah, it's actually really fun. I, I mean, there's not a lot of us tweeting about it because, you know, people are like, what? Oh, anyway, I love so. you for that. It was, it was <laughs> fantastic. I loved it. Yes, you know, the things I do to entertain myself. But anyway. <laughs> All right, let's play that game. Okay, so the first one, this or that. The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. While cooking, do you listen to music or silence? I got to give a disclaimer. When I'm recipe developing, it's silent. Mm-hmm. But when I'm cooking for myself, there's music. Because I have to focus when I'm when I'm actually writing a book or doing that stuff. But when I'm just cooking for Marilyn and Scott and the family, yes. music. Are you a morning person or a night owl? <laughs> Once again, a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to be a night person and then I was a morning person and now I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm a little bit later, but I don't stay up really late anymore. Like I go to bed around 11. It's not sad. That's not really a night person, is it? That is, those are raving hours for me. <laughs> really? Honestly. Is that when you're really, are you on then? Like I am... By 9 30, 10 o'clock, I'm I'm bobbling. Like my head is just bouncing back and forth trying to stay awake. It's terrible. Right. It's terrible. No, but what time do you wake up? When do you get up? 5 30, 6. Oh yes, you know. You're yeah. your morning. I'm morning. Uh so I, I start my, my husband calls it the process. So I start the process around 10 30. And I'm in bed by the 11 process. reading and then yeah. <laughs> my husband says the same thing. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> Is that right? Honestly. There must be a mail manual. They're not that smart. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess I'm not kind of either one because I'm kind of just in the middle. Baked or fried? Baked. Super salad? Salad. No, you know what? Depends on the weather. Salad summer, soup winter. I'm seasonal. You're seasonal. Toothpaste squeeze from the middle or the bottom? <laughs> middle whoops <laughs> just grab the darn thing <laughs> are you food network or movies movies mm-hmm. i'm an actress <laughs> supporting my craft <laughs> i kind of knew this answer already before i even asked it and now toilet paper over or under 
Oh, over. Over, right? It's just, yeah. it's wrong. Under. It falls off better. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I've been I've been known to go to people's houses and change the way they roll it. Is that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they just don't know. I'll show them. <laughs> People look in medicine cabinets. Marilyn switches the toilet paper roll. <laughs> oh, I never go in a medicine cabinet, but I'm so do. switching your toilet paper. <laughs> so switching it. Like, you just don't know the right way to do it, and I will show you. Now, this one here. When someone trips, do you laugh with tears or shoot stink eye to those laughing? Neither. I help them up, and then I laugh. Yeah, that's okay. I should have reworded that. Once you know they're okay. Once you know they're okay. Oh my God, I'm on the floor. I'm a mess. It's called schadenfreude. It's a, there's a word for it. Oh, really? And yeah, it's called schadenfreude. When you laugh at somebody else's uh, demise <laughs> or something that happens to them. like in a, Especially in a TV commercial or a movie, if somebody wipes out, oh my God, I'm on the floor. It's terrible. And if they're not okay, I will not laugh. But if they're okay, I'm I'm a puddle. Yeah. 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 Especially if it's mess. my husband. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's someone you love. <laughs> Look, and I'm laughing because I'm picturing all the times. Oh, poor guy. What I do to him? Um. Oh, well, I'm the one that's usually wiping out. So mine's more retaliation. But anyway. Yeah. I'm a klutz. So am yeah. I. I can't even blame it mm. on my eyes half the time. I try to. He calls me out. <laughs> so you're there, dude. Yeah. Keeping you real. Keeping you He's real. Like, it's not your eyes. You're just your class. <laughs> I'm Mary Mamaliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Peace, love, and fiber. Cookbook author Marilyn Smith is here chatting with us today. Did any of the recipes in the book hold strong memories or connections for you? Oh, big time. Two of them that come to mind right away is my mom and dad's pea soup. And so, uh, like, I think food memories are extraordinary. And I, I, I write about them all the time. And I think if we lose family recipes, we lose a part of ourselves or our history or our roots. And so I wanted to honor mom and dad, but their their version of pea soup was a bit more than I wanted to honor them with. <laughs> so I had to make a healthier version because they, and also an easier version because they, uh, they would they would get a huge honking ham bone and it like it was a massive pot. It was like a camp stove pot. So I mean I couldn't do that. That's gonna to be too hard for anyone to do. So right. I made a pea soup recipe in honor of them uh that my sister tried and said, Oh my gosh, this is so much like grandma's. So I and I wrote about it because my mom and dad believed that pea soup was like you know how people have chicken soup when they're sick? Yeah. Well, theirs was pea soup. So, you know, this will cure anything. And you could literally stick a spoon in it. It was like like cement. Like it's like so thick. So I did this really rib sticking pea soup that mm. every time I, I made it and every time I've served it, I just get a flashback to my mom and dad. So that's cool. And then my mom did a matrimonial swear. Um, it's a very West Coast uh, dish where it's a dessert uh, treat kind of thing where you'd use oats on the bottom and then you do dates that are made into a paste and then oats and then you bake it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she hadn't passed yet, but we were going through all the things. I got her recipe books and I found in her own handwriting her recipe for the matrimonial squares, which was cryptic. It was like, you know, 350 oh, date like it was beautiful. a horrible recipe anyway i can't even believe she could pull it off every time but anyway i took a photograph of it and the pictures in the book so now that she's not even here it's even more special so uh yeah so those those i hold. wish i had some of those yeah yeah no i'm really lucky that i have a lot of my mom's she she didn't love cooking but so she had to write you know herself notes and stuff and i've got mm -hmm. some really cool notes that she's written so uh 
Yeah, those it's the little things, eh? Yeah, it really is. We need to have those in our lives. And so everybody's got that recipe that they have from their mom or their grandma or their aunt or somebody. Um, and you need to get that because, you know, that's a wonderful memory to share. There's a lot of funny stories in the book with recipes, but those are the two that hold the most sentiment for me. They're very sentimental. Which recipe took you the longest to perfect? Oh, my God. The blueberry buckle. <laughs> really? The blueberry buckle. And when I finally got it right, because, you know, baking, I'm going to find the recipe in my book. Baking is an art, but baking's a science. And so when you switch out, uh, when you switch out a lot of ingredients that are regular, like all purpose flour for a whole grain flour, you know, you automatically change the chemistry of that baking. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so I wanted it to have these elements that, um, you know, I wanted to put cornmeal in it because I wanted to have some crunch. I knew that sounded weird, but I wanted it in there because mm -hmm. uh, I, I love a blueberry cornmeal pancake. And so that was the inspiration for the buckle. And so I needed to get the chemistry of how much fat to how much sugar to how much dry. And uh, once I got the buckle, then I made a pumpkin spice cake after that because once I got the formula mm -hmm. right, then I could play with it. But to get that formula took me a really long time. But when I perfected it, uh, our, our really good friends, Jill and Larry, come over for dinner and play cards like once a month. And mm -hmm. my son was still living here or was visiting. I don't, he, he, he now lives overseas. So he was still in Toronto. Anyway, they all came over for dinner. The buckle served 16. And uh, my husband and I and Jill all had our servings for one. And Larry and Andrew ate the 13 other pieces. <laughs> Which if that's not a testament to, you know, this is really great. And the best part is that we were, that they were actually over for dinner the other night and we were laughing about that story. That's why it actually came to mind. And uh, I figured out that Larry and Andrew had 20 grams of fiber just in the cake. Like forget what else I had served that day because no. Andrew called me the next day and goes, mom, what was in dinner? Like, I, oh my God. But you know, when you figured out what everything else he'd eaten that day, you know, and then you add 20 onto it, I mean... He was up to a colonoscopy prep, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, <laughs> but no, so, you know, I don't recommend eating 13 slices. I mean, like, come on, that's crazy. Right. I mean, he, he had, they both had six and a half servings. So, you know, then that should have, although it's, Larry said nothing happened to him at all, but he was really used to eating a lot of fiber. And my son, when he moved away, wasn't eating quite as much as maybe what mommy had served. So, right. uh, yeah. So anyway, but it was pretty so funny, but it's call. really good. Yeah. I got the call. <laughs> Mom, what was in dinner? Okay. So now we're going to play rapid fire. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Chocolate. Would you rather eat food with a knife or a fork or your hands? Fingers, hands. You've got five minutes to move into a new kitchen and you can only take one item with you. What would it be and why? Knife. Well, you, because you can make anything with a knife. You sure. could cut anything up to do anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't cook it, but <laughs> but if you had the knife, at least you could do the prep. I had my scissors <laughs> in my turkey stock once. I didn't even realize it. I, oh, my God. I did. I cooked the whole thing oh. hours, went back, went to go strain it, and there were the scissors. Everything went into the garbage. Oh, yeah. You'd have to yeah. because Lord knows what that would have leached out, eh? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We ordered oh, food. too bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to make stock today, so I'll remember not to put the scissors anywhere near it. Good. Good note. <laughs> Curse words you use in the kitchen. Oh, I can't say them out loud. <laughs> F-bomb. 
The big F-bomb. <laughs> that seems to be a, a, the consensus across a lot of people. And it's F-bomb me. So it's usually that's the <laughs> is a phrase. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, I know it's supposed to be rapid fire. Um, I, I think to heal. That's nice. Mia was invisible. Look at me. I'm thinking about myself. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. You know what's funny? Because they asked me on 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 City Line a couple of years ago what it was, and in that moment, you know, it was I wanted to be able to. I think it was. I think it was to be able to uh, be invisible so I could hear what everybody was saying. That was so me. I think it was along the same idea. But after what's all gone on, I yeah, it would be to heal. So you know, your life changes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What you believe would be good now might not be later so and it's okay to change yeah what's your junk food kryptonite <laughs> chocolate yeah and a mustard sandwich <laughs> and the sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you know what i i it used to be kryptonite in the sense that um i would i couldn't stop myself eating chocolate and then i got to the point where when i went through menopause i realized that sugar was my trigger for all the craziness mm -hmm. so i really backed off i actually stopped eating uh all sugars all, all added sugar for a while and then when i was sort of through menopause i could go back to eating chocolate but i hadn't eaten it on a regular basis for such a long time that mm. i only needed a little bit so i don't really have a kryptonite food um, oh no. Oh, I'm going to just, let's go back. I've got a new one. Mm -hmm. My kryptonite food are those crunchy cheesies <gasps> because yes. you know, the ones that leave your fingers orange, but they're really solid and thick. Yes. Yes. I could good. eat an entire bag of those and then feel like a bag of dirt the next day. Like because of the salt and all the other stuff in it. But oh yeah. If I ever see those at a party, that bowl's gone. If your fridge could talk, what would be the one <laughs> word it would use to describe your food choices? There's a lot of vegetables in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a lot of fruit too. And holy, what's with all the flaxseed and the yogurt? Come on. No. Yeah, I got a lot of, uh, I have, it's mostly fruits and vegetables in my fridge. Um, there's not a lot of cheese. We eat cheese, but not, not as often as most. And uh, yeah, I, it's, pretty much jammed right now full of uh, fruits and vegetables. I'm not even kidding. There's not, I mean, I think that they should make bigger drawers because they don't all fit in the drawers. True. They're all jammed in there. Yeah. And I think that would be a good way to encourage people to eat healthier, redesign the fridge because people fill things up. I mean, you eat what's on your plate. Oh my gosh, that's really smart. I never even thought of this. Yeah. But yeah, they should have bigger vegetable drawers. Now, if you don't eat them, I guess there's a bigger chance it goes to slime. But um, I do talk about, you know, not wasting food. That's one of my big uh, soap boxes mm -hmm. is to encourage people to eat out of their fridge. Like don't go shopping until you've shopped your fridge or your freezer or your pantry to see what you've got. And it's like a game. I'm, I'm pretty sure all, all the, all the food lovers I know do the same game where you go, what can I make out of this? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so fun, but somebody brought it to my attention. And the reason it's food lovers is because we have recipes in our head. And so if you don't have that skill set it's much more difficult to open your vegetable drawer and go, what could I do with this small piece of cabbage, uh, a Brussels sprout and two carrots? You know, well, I'm thinking a, I'm thinking a slaw or I would make um, okonomiyaki, which is that Japanese pancake, um, or I'd make it into a soup, which is always easier or a salad. Ooh, but I've I mean, that, that. as far as cooking, okonomiyaki, mm -hmm. it's a Japanese style pancake that you have shredded cabbage and onion 
Um, there's egg and flour and uh, I put a lot of other stuff in it, but that's the basis. And then you fry it up and then you serve it with kind of a Japanese style mayonnaise. So I do low fat mayonnaise and some sriracha and mix it all together and squish it on and it's, it's yum. That sounds so good. comforting. Yeah, it's really good. It's, I think it's on, I think it's on City Line's website because I did it on the show once. I'll check it after out. After I annihilated the how you pronounce it, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. What would you bring back? <laughs> fiber. <laughs> I'm so fiber is sexy. That's what I'm bringing back. Justin, move <laughs> over. You bring sexy back. I'm going to bring fiber is sexy back. So. <laughs> Well, no, it's not back. It's that's what I'm going to bring. That's what <laughs> I'm you're bringing bring. fiber. You're bringing, I'm bringing fiber. fiber, and it's sexy. Were there any recipes that didn't make the cut into the book that you wish had? Yeah, I really wanted to have my gluten-free brownie in the book, but they felt that I had too much chocolate. <laughs> anyway, so and that you know everybody does a brownie, but it's like no, but they're gluten-free and they're really good. So I was really sad. Actually, that was the one I fought for the most. Mm-hmm. But there was an awful lot of desserts, and there was already a chocolate brownie by Cookie. And so they felt that that was a little more unique than brownies, um, although the brownie was gluten-free. So I put the gluten-free brownie on my website, um, and it got it's gotten a lot of traction. I actually did it once on, um, I think I did it on my Facebook Live. I can't remember. I don't know. I did it somewhere, and, and people were like, thank you. It doesn't taste like a gluten-free brownie. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. So, And once again, I'm not slagging gluten-free, but sadly, there are some things that are just, you know, they're- It's true. They, they're- it, they're, they're not as, or you can tell. And I just really wanted to make sure that you could never tell that what I was making was healthy. Like when I recipe test, if it's something that's gluten-free, I have to recipe test it quite a few times before I actually get the consistency that I want. Exactly. Because it's a consistency, right? That's the, you, that's the nail on the head. Like, cause it, it's gotta be the same because then it won't work out or people will be have an expectation that it's not going to match. So yeah, it's, it's much harder to bake gluten-free. I got to tell you that. Like I'd say that brownie took me an awful lot longer than not as long as the buckle, but mm-hmm. you know, certainly, certainly was up there. But when you get it, it's like, yes, mm-hmm. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So happy. And I use cocoa powder too. So cocoa powder bakes differently, but it's the one that has the most fiber. So that's why there's cocoa powder. Like there's a chocolate cake in the book that I use cocoa powder with and it, it's got a fair amount of fiber for a cake. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to have this cake every day because it's got fiber in right. it. I'm saying that if you're going to make a cake, you could have one that tastes fantastic and there's fiber in it. So That's not easy to do. No, it's tricky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the baking section was the hardest to do by a landslide. So the baking took the longest to get right because I wanted it to be right. I wanted it to be not a reasonable facsimile. I wanted it to taste like an authentic, you know, oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. So mm. yeah, then so it, that that would be the most work I put as far as how many times it took to get it right. The other ones, I mean, I usually get, when I'm recipe developing, anywhere between, I don't know, you're probably better at it than me, but about five to 10 times before I get it perfect. And then when it's perfect, then I do it three more times for the triple testing and then I farm it out. So yes. it gets test, it gets recipe worked on a lot. And now I know I shouldn't eat the whole thing. I just have, you know, a couple of bites or the first book I wrote, this is my eighth book. The first book I wrote, I think I gained 25 pounds because it was like, I'll <laughs> eat the whole thing. I got to make sure it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can tell. I've got a much more discriminating palate. It's like, yep, no, I got this. So like I'll have one cookie. Then, you know, I'll give them all the rest of them away or my husband will eat them all. Surprisingly, you know, but this is a good point. We eat a lot of food, but because of how much fiber's in it, 
you know, I mean, I don't count calories, but I, mm-hmm. I do all the nutritional information because I wanted to make the book diabetes friendly. And so all the carb choices are there if you're living with diabetes. So I have to have all the nutrition information in the book. Um, so I don't go by calories, but because I, I mentioned before, you know, fiber fills you up. So we may look like we're eating a lot volume wise, but calorically it isn't because, you know, vegetables do not have a lot of calories in them. And we, we normally eat at least half our plate is vegetables, pretty much or fruit, pretty much every meal, even breakfast. Like I have, uh, now I'm switching off because it's getting warmer out sort of, um, to yogurt and berries or fruit and flaxseed for my breakfast. So, but you know, before it was oat bran cereal and whatever berries or fruit. So yeah. This is the part where I usually ask my guests to share a kitchen confession with us. <laughs> do you have one that you can share? I do. Like I'm and... already smiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is drove my husband crazy when I first started to actually feel brave enough to do this in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds really dirty. It's not. So as a kid, as a kid, my favorite snack this is so insane, was a piece of whole wheat bread with mustard in it. And I would call it a mustard sandwich. And that was my biggest treat. Okay. So we had a dessert, like if it was your birthday or something, mm-hmm. but we had fruit for dessert. So a treat for me would be a savory French's mustard on whole really? wheat bread. And that was, it was a mustard sandwich. And my mom would actually have to forbid me because I would like eat them all day. I just loved it. Like I love that tart mustard the taste. Tangy, yeah. The tangy, the tangy, the tangy. And then as I got older, I realized that it tasted really good on a white hot dog bun, which we never had. We very rarely had hot dogs. So a white hot dog bun just with the mustard, forget the hot dog. That was that was amazing. So then um, I stopped doing all that because it's like, oh my gosh, that's insane. But mm-hmm. anyway, about 10 years ago, I don't know, we had some French's mustard in the fridge and we had a white hot dog bun in the house. And I went... But I bet if I microwaved it, it would even be better. So (laughs) my guilty pleasure in the kitchen is a white hot dog bun, which is very rare in this house. Uh, Microwave for, well, squirt a copious amount of French's mustard inside. Microwave it for 10 seconds, no longer, no, no, no less. And then it's this warm, soft, oh my God, it's so good. And when I, I broke, so I, I fell at work and I chipped, a, I, I tore my ligament, but mm-hmm. my ligament pulled a piece of bone off my foot. Um, and when I was in Emerge, everybody said, well, for someone your age, I'm surprised you didn't shatter your ankle, which I felt kind of insulting. But anyway, so I Is was that in like a, a cast. backhanded compliment to them? It was a backhanded compliment that I was incredibly healthy for someone over 50. Anyway, so yeah, which I, I really found insulting. But anyway, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, and yeah, thank you so much. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> anyway, so my neighbor knew that I had this love of white hot dogs and mustard. Anyway, she dropped it off at my house. Wasn't that sweet? And it, here's the interesting part. There's turmeric. In, in mustard, turmeric is an anti-inflammatory. I think I was self-diagnosing inflammation <laughs> <laughs> at a very young age. My body was going, eat mustard. You have inflammation. Because now I'll go, hey, you know what? I got a little bit of a headache. I think I'll have a mustard sandwich. So uh, now I just do it strictly on all That's wheat bread. what I'm doing wrong. I've had a headache for a week straight. There, oh, it's the darn weather. Oh. I'm, I've, I've got a crap one. I got a low-grade headache for, yeah, it's yeah, the stupid it, weather. But yeah. anyway, try it. I, I did can. it last night and I had a great night's sleep. So a piece of whole grain bread with a gob of mustard on, fold it in half, microwave it for 10 seconds. Remember, no more, no less. 
It's amazing. I had one about 7.30 last night and I had a great sleep. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so that's my guilty kitchen confession. Oh my gosh. And now the world knows that I'm, and Scott always goes in, you write cookbooks. And it's like, yep. Oh, geez. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And if listeners want to reach out to you for more information, how can they find you? Where can they find Peace, Love and Fiber? So Peace, Love and Fiber is going to be in all bookstores, uh, pretty much across Canada and the United States, uh, mostly in Canada. It's also, you can get it online at Indigo or Amazon. Uh, you can also find me on my website, Marilyn at MarilynSmith.com, but I spell my name weirdly. It's Marilyn, it's M-A-I-R-L-Y-N at MarilynSmith.com, same spelling. Or you can check out my Instagram at Marilyn Smith, same weird spelling. Facebook Live on Wednesdays at and my Facebook at Marilyn.Smith. Oh my gosh, you can find me everywhere. Everywhere. Just don't come to my house. <laughs> it's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mammoliti. See you at the next episode. 